Welcome to the Third Growth Option Podcast, where we talk with business leaders and innovators hungry to drive growth that can be faster than internal organic growth and less risky than acquisition. Your moderator is Bernal Dunkerspuler, Chief Sherpa and CEO at Realign, who has led private equity-owned distributors through turnarounds and growth. With battle-proven leaders from all frontiers, we want to provoke thinking about business growth beyond conventional wisdom and binary choices. Hey, I'm Benno, your host, and today with Gary Levine of the Roaring Brook Art Company for the last 17 or 18 years. And before that, I think you were in, or I know you were in sales and marketing leadership roles. Uh, Gary, say hi to our listeners. Hi, hello, hello. So you and I and and many of our listeners work in a fast-changing industry. I work with manufacturers and distributors selling mostly consumer products, B2B. You've been in the art and design world, also selling B2B to brick and mortar and e-commerce players. You started your own company in 2003. You grew the business very nicely, which, you know, of course, is it's never a straight line, but ups and downs, but you grew it. And we titled this episode, Plan Strategically and Remain Situational, because I think you have an interesting perspective on finding that that balance between the strategic and the opportunistic, which, you know, it it's not a binary choice. And I think, in a way, it's a false choice looking for that entrepreneurial third option, finding that balance that is so important to entrepreneurial success. And in the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, you know, after you spent about 15 years in employment jobs after college, what was it that moved you to, you know, exchange that lovely paycheck every other Friday with headaches and risks and entrepreneurialism? What Was there like a moment or some kind of, personal like purpose or why that pushed you to start your own business? So I actually think that the moment was three years prior to it actually happening, but I wasn't really quite ready, didn't quite have all the uh, ducks in a row, as they say. I had been working in the W-2 job and probably felt that I was swirling around in my head, but I, I really needed perhaps a little bit more experience and just maybe it was just about getting the confidence to take the leap. But yeah, when it happened, it was full on ready to go. I had taken on that additional experience and a better understanding of the market. And really, it was about connecting with what I call my sweet spot, and that's my passion for art and what sells in the uh, mass market. And having that additional time and better understanding, as I said, I arrived at a place in uh, early 2003 and said, okay, it's time. And I pulled the trigger and, and took the leap. You know, before we sort of talk about strategy versus opportunity, I want to dig a little deeper on what you love the most about being an entrepreneur. And you talk about the sweet spot. You talk about, I love art and artists and working with art. Is that sort of what drives you, what gets you up every morning? It's just the love of the thing that you're selling and connecting people? 
Yeah, it is. I'm very passionate about art and how it fits into mass market sales. And it's interesting because I'm, you know, I'm not inherently, uh, you know, an art major and I'm not, I know a few things about art history, but I, I'd say what gets me up in the morning is, is really about what my eye sees and what, what I'm connected to and, and how that, that resonates for me. And ultimately, you know, how does that materialize into, into dollars? So it is, it is certainly about the product, which as we said, in this case, it, it's about the artwork. When I think about the strategy in your art company, it is about, you know, the product that you're selling, you know, the artists that are creating that product, you know, what kind of end consumers is attracted to what kind of art and where do they shop, whether they shop in specialty stores or mass market stores or high-end galleries or mom-and-pop stores around, you know, around the corner. But then the exact mix of your customers, that has changed drastically, right, in the last, I mean, since you've been in the art business. No question. No question. Uh, What's been your biggest stumbling block in growing your art company over the last 17, 18 years? So interestingly, you know, market changes are very hard for me, which is probably a bit of a shock to hear from coming from the, from the mouth of an entrepreneur that it's, I find that I'm, I know what I know and I have a, a, a good grasp on our accounts and what they're looking for. And then there's a, a turn in the road and I, I'm all of a sudden out of my comfort zone and it's, it's a new space. Then I put on my, my cap and adapt and bring us back to center, all for it to change again. But it's, it's been going on. It's it just, it's, it's just what happens in this industry or any that business is going to evolve. It's going to change. And um, I've been able to navigate it so far and proud of that accomplishment and uh, look forward to, to more challenges, but it doesn't mean that there won't be those stumbling blocks and market changes. So you're kind of embracing the stumbling block of markets are what markets are, they change. So last week you called me pretty excited about a change in your business as, as a result of these market changes. Uh, Pre-COVID, been back in January 2020, your top 10 customer list looked one way and now in November, in the middle of COVID, your top 10 customer list is almost completely different names on your top 10 customer list. What, what's going on there? It's a year like I've never seen before. And I feel qualified to, to say that having run my business for the last 17 years. It's exciting to see what's happening. And I've been saying through this pandemic that COVID has been very defining. And to that, there were signs and we were doing some planning a few years ago for the e-commerce business to become more of a factor for us, become more important. And so we were prospecting accounts and digging deeper to make those connections. 
And yeah, we, we all witnessed the retail shutdown at, at the beginning of the pandemic. And fairly quickly did those e-commerce businesses rise front and center in a very powerful way. And they've become a, a force to us. And similarly, the folks who had been 100% entrenched and dedicated to the uh, retail business, they saw some, 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 yeah, brick and mortar. They saw, they saw some pretty drastic changes. And so therein lies where things are, it's quite a different landscape out there now than it was eight, nine months ago. About a year ago, in home, home products in general, I don't know if this is maybe different for art, wall decor, and art product, but home products in general, I've seen numbers that e-commerce consumer dollars are about 25%, 20-25% of consumer dollars are being purchased over are being purchased online. 75 or 80% of consumer dollars are being purchased in brick and mortar. Was that true in the art business pre-COVID? Pre-COVID for us was a very different story than it is now. The e-commerce numbers were significantly smaller and the brick and mortar numbers were particularly high. And I have to be careful how I say this because there's certain retailers that were on the brink of going out of business and then COVID sort of just tipped the scale and they're gone. But there are many other players out there, particularly some of the specialty stores and off-price retailers who are really just doing incredibly well. And they had been doing well before and they're doing well, if not better now. So it's not, it's not completely an e-com game. They're not you know, the only players out there, but they are certainly drawing the consumer. So maybe the, a way to describe pre-COVID versus current situation in home and, and wall decor is to say that pre-COVID, e-commerce was in that 20-25% of sales in brick and mortar and that 75-80% of sales. Now it's changing toward e-commerce. We're looking at 30-40% this year over the next few years going into maybe even 45% of sales being e-commerce over the next few years. And within brick and mortar, off-price retailers are killing it. They have been doing better and better over the last five or 10 years, and they got another jolt of energy now. Is that fair? Yes. I would say that if I didn't know what you do professionally, I would say you might otherwise be a, a strategist in predicting and calling what's happening out there in retail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a very, very accurate assessment including what those numbers that you're calling out for forecasting what e-commerce will likely look like going forward. So when you looked at your customer mix a year ago, a few years ago, strategically, you said, you know what, e-commerce is still the minority, so I'll dabble in it. Uh, Off prices, you know, maybe not the biggest force to reckon with, but I'll dabble in it. 
And now in the last, in 2020 with COVID, you still had to spend the majority of your time on the other side, on the the things that are not e-commerce, the things that are not off-price retail. But during 2020, the seeds that you have put down into the minority part of the business has really paid off. And now your top 10 customer list is heavily leaning towards what used to be a minority. Yes, yes, yes. Without, without a doubt, it's really no surprise that COVID really defined all of that. And, you know, the folks who we were spending a significant amount of our time servicing those companies, manufacturers who we license our to and partner with who had been tied very tightly to the what I'll call the older business model of retail fulfillment for planogramming. Sadly, a number of those businesses have gone out or they've suffered terribly. And we were devoting a lot of time to those businesses because they were still calling on us for new opportunities. And yet we were certainly in with the off-price segment as well as e-commerce. But like I said, COVID really just defined all of that for us. And as you said, the the off-price and the e-commerce has just really soared way out in front. And that to me is the reason we titled this episode Plan Strategically and Then Remain Situational is because strategically you have planned for that change to take place several years ago but you remain situational in terms of to stay true to what the customer was telling you. And a year ago, they were telling you something different from what they've told you in the last three months and and the last three weeks. So you've been able to adapt and weave and bob beautifully because your business is, is doing well, because you've been able to balance that strategic thinking with opportunistic thinking. Looking back, what do you wish you had known when you started your business that you know today? And you know, what, what advice would you give your younger self? Well, I would say be prepared for the dark and gloomy days. I would say I'm a glass half full kind of guy and I am forever just seeking opportunity and, and looking and grateful for what comes in. And I would say it doesn't always go in a straight line and that your, your business will be pulled to the left, to the right, off the path, and be prepared for that. I can't say that I was fully on board with any of the uh, changes that had happened, but you learn. And I would say that I think it's made me a better business owner. I think it's made me a better person. But certainly, as I said, you know, plan, plan for the, the rainy days. Any advice you would give to business owners that want to sell to retailers or e-com players today, in addition to, you know, there's more e-commerce and more off-price, but any other lessons that you would give to, to business owners selling to retailers and online players? Yeah, I would say that my loudest message to put out there is be thoughtful about who you're doing business with. I've followed that school of thought 
all my time owning Roaring Brook Art, and it's it seemed to work out. But to that, specifically to doing business with retailers and e-com players, certainly, you know, vet out who's legit, who's not. I mean, that's just a, what I would think is a given. You'd be surprised. <laughs> to a lot of people, any revenue dollar is a good dollar, but not to you. You're saying be intentional. Not every revenue dollar is a good dollar, right? Yeah, like just, just yeah, to that, just you, you might need to prepare yourself for being surprised that you might not get paid, right? If you think you did such a great job on the front end, it happens. I, I've, I've been stuck for money. But specifically, I'd say pre-COVID, there were a lot of businesses, I referred to this earlier, the, the folks that were servicing the what I call the, the planogram retail model, and they were heavied up on inventory, and they were servicing you know, replenishment orders. And that business model exists, but it's really, it lives on shaky ground. And yet, there's plenty of e-commerce businesses that require inventory and possibly needing to ramp up. But I, it would seem, I'm not the person carrying the inventory, but, but it would seem that there's a, a greater likelihood of, of success carrying the inventory for some of the solid e-commerce businesses seems to me a good strategic move. So again, be thoughtful about who you're doing business with. If folks wanted to reach out to you one-on-one, where could they find you? Yes, yes, of course. I welcome anyone to email me at glevine at roaringbrookart.com or you can go to our website, roaringbrookart.com. I'd love for you to anyone to take a look what we're about, what we do. There's a place to connect there as well. Excellent. So what I have learned from you today, Gary, is you got into the business uh, because you love the business. You love art. You're passionate about it. You're passionate about what you offer, who you offer it to. You are very intentional about the customer mix that you're pursuing and that, that you want to work with. But then, you know, like a good surfer who sort of bounces in the knees a little bit, you're flexible and, and are able to adapt and remain situational. And that's why you've been in business through the Great Recession of 11 years ago and the crazy times in 2020. Thank you. And I'm sure there'll be other turns in the road, hopefully none that are quite as severe as the one that we're in right now. But that all to say that it's, it's not necessarily a, a, a bad result of, of what's happened this year, uh, at least speaking for my business. Any parting words of wisdom or should, should we wrap it up for the day? I would say we're good. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Gary. And I'll uh, leave this thought for our listeners. If there are any growth topics you wanted to explore one-on-one, you can find me on our website, realignforresults.com, or you can just email me, Benno, B-E-N-N-O, Benno at realignforresults.com. Keep growing.
You can listen to more episodes on Apple, Spotify, or Google. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review it. Share it with your friends or colleagues if you enjoyed the content. Always growing.